go. Hello and Hello. welcome, welcome, welcome to welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome to Aaliyah. <laughs> we always we always end up in song. That's welcome. from phenomenal she's, movie. She's the, she's the man. Welcome, yeah. welcome, welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Aliria. Welcome to oh the Real God. Football Fans of New Jersey. <laughs> yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Real Football Fans of New Jersey. I'm Katie and I am here quarantine style doing a little vid chat with my mm -hmm. co-host Caitlin for hello, hello. 109. Um, I think this is like quarantine episode number like eight or nine now. Yeah, we've been in quarantine for quite some time. But we're rocking and rolling. We're getting things done and we're here with you every week and keeping things, you know, as normal as possible. So Absolutely. we have a huge show tonight. I mean, so many things to talk about, but let's kick it off the way we always do um, with our polls that we ask you on Instagram, on Caitlin's, on mine, and on our um our account for the podcast at the real football fans of NJ that is on Instagram. These are on our stories every Wednesday before we do our show. Three questions for you tonight. Uh, the first one was which draft pick did you find more surprising? Jordan Love going to the Green Bay Packers or Jalen Hurts going to the Philadelphia Eagles? We had a lot of votes on this, but 61% of you said you were more surprised to see Jalen Hurts go to the Philadelphia Eagles in round two. Caitlin, thoughts? I'll let you kick it off. I'm, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm still not over it. Um, I, I wanted to wake up the next day and you wanted it to be a dream. I, Katie and I were obviously talking, you know, endlessly from Thursday to Saturday at 7 p.m. And I remember just texting her. And I was like, all right, we're just, can we just stop talking about it? And Katie was like, well, wait, one more thing, actually. And I was like, no! <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm over it. I think on Friday, the conversation started when I texted you. I was like, hey, remember that time Jalen Hurts oh. the Eagles? And, I was <laughs> and you were like, shut up! Damn it, Katie. I thought we said no more talking about it. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't have guessed that in a million no. years. Um, I know a lot of people were definitely shocked. Um, and I'm, I'm actually a little, you know, how did 40-ish percent of people that we polled think that Jordan Love was more surprising? I don't get it. Um, <laughs> cause we read many a mock drafts that had him going, you know, in the first right. second, I just, I'm shocked. I don't know. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely more shocked with Jalen. I'm, I'm still very, I, I went with Jalen as well. Um, cause it was kind of like, I don't know. I wasn't necessarily surprised to see Jordan love go to a team in the first round. And yeah. I also had this really strange feeling like everybody kept calling Jordan Love a wild card, meaning that they could see him going as high as like six to the Chargers all the way down to like 24 to the Saints. So like a wild card and is like, we don't know where he's going to go. So to me, not only that, but I also felt like he was a wild card because I did feel like maybe some, if, if he was just sitting at the end of the first round, maybe a random team was going to like, yeah. go after him. So him. I definitely was more shocked, especially Jalen. Jalen could have been a third or fourth rounder. Like I predicted know. that he was going to drop to the fourth round. Right. You did. Um, you did. And, and usually you don't say those kind of things about Rambo boys, but you were keeping no. it real. And, and honestly, that could have happened for Jalen. We saw some other quarterbacks uh, that we thought would go earlier slip and he ends up you know, going in the second and he ends up going to the Philadelphia Eagles who have Carson Wentz. They got a lot yeah. of for that pick. 
We'll talk about it in a little bit, but yeah, I mean, both were surprising, but that was definitely the bigger shocker to me. 100%. Uh, question number two, were you surprised that the New England Patriots didn't draft a quarterback, you know, in this year's draft? Again, a lot of votes, uh, and somehow we ended up with the same 61%, but 61% of you said, no, you were not surprised. I, I was surprised. And I you was too, right? Too. Um, yeah. I'm I'm surprised that our audience was not surprised. I know, right? <laughs> that should be like a new poll question. <laughs> Are you surprised that- did you, did you surprise Katie and Caitlin with your- <laughs> Are you surprised that X amount of you said you were not surprised? So- Yeah, label me surprised. I was though, and maybe I thought it was a little, I know like last week we really dove into the draft. Yeah. Um, we dove into that one mock draft and it, over the past couple of weeks, we've been bringing up a couple of things. You've been posting a lot to our Instagram page of mock drafts. And I, I didn't think that they would grab one so early. Um, I thought maybe in the later rounds because you know, New England, I mean, look at their draft, even the other players, they're getting a lot of like these no name people and they're chill with it and they'll be successful yeah. with these kids. Yeah. And I'm not calling them no names. Anyone that gets drafted is a name. I'm just right. compared to other people, you know, they're not looking, my dad refers to it. They're not looking for the billboard players. That's how my dad refers to it as, and I yeah. think it's a great, you know, they're looking for like these team players. So, but what I thought was interesting is I really was surprised. But then when speaking with, you know, people after the draft, I spoke with my brother and they did end up draft, excuse me, they did take up, they signed someone um, two. undrafted. Two. Oh, I thought it was only one. Yeah, two. Um, but apparently they're very set. The rumor mill has been going around. They're very set on Tom Brady's former backup. I'm yeah. blanking his name. I, uh, Stidham. Stidham. Okay. okay. And you also have Brian Hoyer, but Stidham is the young guy. And I think there, there's a possibility that, you know, this is it. And they're going to give him a shot. So. so that's what my brother Christopher said, that they're very into this kid. So I mean, he, here we have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady going separate, separate ways, right? And the debate has always been, are they great because of Bill Belichick or are they great yeah. because of Tom Brady? And listen, I think both are great. But I think both want to prove that they can do it without one another. So you've got Tom Brady wanting to prove it in Tampa Bay and not wanting to come back to New England. And to me, this is the ultimate test of Bill Belichick potentially proving like, hey, like I'm making Jared Stidham work for at starting yeah. quarterback for the New England Patriots. I mean, how crazy would that be? Um, yeah. But I was surprised. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that they didn't go in the first round for a quarterback, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I remember right before the draft started, New England said, we're not going to reach for a quarterback. We're not going to like be pressured into taking a quarterback. If one happens to be at a good spot, work out for us. That to me solidified. I don't think they're going to take one in the first. And then when, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit too, but when certain quarterbacks I saw start to slip yeah, and essentially the Patriots had spots where it was like, oh, maybe you should take him because at this spot, it's a pretty good pick. Yeah. And they still didn't do it. So I was definitely surprised. Agreed. And then our last question, this is Housewives related, uh, and this is a story we're going to get into in a little bit. Uh, both Real Housewives of Potomac and the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City premieres were pushed back to the summer. Which one are you looking forward to watching more? This is a, this is a large majority here. 78% of you are totally on board and excited to watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. This is yeah. the newbie, and this is going to be a brand new franchise coming to us that 
you know, they broke the news at BravoCon and I, I think people are really excited. So yeah. It's so funny because like before they like announced that they were postponing it, I was thinking to myself, when is that premiering again? Because now now is a perfect time because everyone's starting all this new stuff, watching movies that they've never seen before, binging shows they've never watched before. So something new coming out, super ideal. So I'm sure they're super bummed that they pushed it back, but we'll get into that later. I mean, I'm on the Salt Lake City board, uh, the train, yeah. because you know I hate Potomac. So when I saw that was postponed, I was like, good for you. <laughs> so many people yeah, were upset, no. though. And I was like, all right, come on, guys. Well, Let's hey, listen, you've like, for, honestly, I forget all the time. Like, Potomac is coming up on season five. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of franchises only last a season or two. And then, you know, ones that haven't been as successful get the axe. But even though they might not be one of the more popular franchises, it still feels as though they're, they keep chugging forward. I mean, it's I feel like it's just me. I don't know. I think I'm the only one because all of those like Bravo accounts that we follow, like the people we met at BravoCon, like yeah. there's a cat, like they all are obsessed with Potomac. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't, I've never, yeah. I've tried. I've tried. I'm looking forward to Salt Lake City coming into the mix and just kind of like jumping on board from day one and yeah. like giving it a real legitimate chance. You know what I mean? So I I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. Agree, agree. All right. Well, yeah, um, as always, thank you guys for participating in our polls. I know we're not doing live shows at the moment, but if you ever have questions for us or like insight, whatever, um, slide into our DMs on Instagram, uh, comment on our Facebook page. Um, you can even, you know, comment, come to our personal pages, shoot us a DM if you want. We're always here to, to answer your questions. Um, yeah. So definitely in the meantime, you know, let us know. Let us know. All right, so we're switching things up a little bit this week, this episode, because the draft is our number one topic of the evening. Um, so we're actually moving our game to the first, or the I guess the second segment of the night. So normally we'd go into the big football stories of the week, um, but this is our biggest football story of the yeah. week, but we are, are putting it in our game mode. So it is time for a game. Yes. Um, and our game for the evening is called The Great Draft Debate of 2020. Um, so we're basically um, gonna go in um, and uh, answer a couple questions in regards to the draft, but just right. a quick overview for you guys. So this was obviously the first virtual draft, and I just wanted to like hands down, just give a massive kudos to the entire NFL organization, all 32 teams, anyone who had a part in this, yeah. whether it was the smallest, teeniest part, or your Roger Goodell, a commissioner of the NFL, right. like. Hands down, it was flawless, um, yes. in my opinion, and it was great. Um, so this year's draft broke the record for viewers. Thursday night, 15.6 uh, million viewers, um, shattering the previous record of 12.4 million viewers. Um, excuse me, and then that was in 2014. Yeah. Um, so there was a 37% a increase in viewers for round one compared to last year, and a 40% increase for rounds two to three, and 32% increase uh, rounds four to seven. I'm no surprise there for the rounds four to seven, uh, 32% increase, you know, obviously there's not many sports going on, but they, you know, they crammed it all into one day real quick for you. Um, and it was a little more interactive than what rounds four to seven were in the past, whether it's, you know, standard TV going on and you just see the thing going across the bottom. Right, of the right, right. So, 
a lot more interactive. But I mean, I, re I, I can remember you and I um, last year on, on the third day of the draft. We were at a bar. bar and we were yeah. just kind of, you know, watching it in the background. On oh, the, the Giants are up. Like, oh, we were with friends. Right. Like, oh, right. the 49ers but are no, up. No, I mean, yeah. we're, we're stuck in our houses and we have yeah. nothing else to watch. It was like, I literally pretty much watched yeah. the entire draft. Yeah, so definitely no surprise that viewership was up given that there is no other sports going on right now. But again, I think yeah. they did a really good job. And I think it if it was something. if it was done poorly, I think viewership would have dropped, actually. I think people yeah. would have been like, you know what, I'm not watching it. But it was done so well. Absolutely. Um, so on day three of the draft, the final day, uh, Roger Ganell announced that the league's draft-a-thon that they were having all throughout the weekend. It was very fun, actually, yeah. you know. A lot of former players, a lot of analysts were jumping on, you know, celebrities, Zoom calls, and just basically just bantering with each other and having fun. The funniest one I saw was with Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. That was hilarious. Um, but a lot of, you know, Daniel Jones popped in on one. Like it was all good stuff. Um, they raised nearly a hundred million dollars for coronavirus relief. That is in three days. That is insane. And they've um, continued even after the, yes. after the draft. They've been keeping up. So I don't even know what the number is now, but it's yeah. crazy. So it is still going on. Um, they're still analyzing the draft very much so on NFL Draft Live. They do it every day on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you go to the NFL Draft, all their social media pages, all of that stuff is there. So you still can donate. So I do recommend that you get on there um, and just play your part. But honestly, so great. Um, and then, yeah, there was no, no glitches. Nothing happened. Um, I think the one thing came out after the draft, it was either the Rams or the Chargers. Um, their head coach lost power oh. right before the pick was happening. Yeah. But they had like backup generator and like things and they jumped on it real quick. So yeah. no one had ever known that there was. I do. I do think a lot of the GMs and the head coaches had backup plans in place just. In yeah. And they all had like three tech tech people in their house. Yeah. yeah. It was so. just a phenomenal job. And oh, absolutely. kudos to everybody who helped pull it off because you pulled it off. You, you executed flawlessly. So it absolutely. was a wonderful draft. And I thoroughly, and I, I thought it was a little, it was a little more fun than like a regular. Yeah, it was. So it was. I, I had a great time watching it. Agreed. So let's get into our game now. So again, I said we're going to be answering some questions. Yes. Ooh, excuse me. Um, so there's 10 questions. So we'll go through them one by one um, and each answer them. So for question number one, what three teams do you think had the best draft? Um, and I have just tiny little tidbits. But the first one I'm kicking off is uh, the Baltimore Ravens. I think that you know, they can end up having a massive steal with linebacker Patrick Queen, uh, who went number 28 in the first. They got J.K. Dobbins in the second, who can end up being possibly the best back in, in the draft. Um, they got Justin Matabuke uh, at number 71, which was a great pick. Yeah. Devin, uh, wide receiver Devin Duvernay at 92, who I thought maybe the Giants should have gotten in the mix on that one. Uh, and to me, possibly – like, you know, that Darius Slayton wide receiver fifth round pick from last year, this year it could be wide receiver James Prochet out of SMU. He went to them at yeah. number 201. So yeah. I like what the Ravens did. I, I really do. Unfortunately, I have to say the other team, another team I'm putting on this list is the Dallas Cowboys. There's no denying that they had a really good draft. I also think the draft gods were on their side because they stayed put. And I felt like a lot of really good players just kind of fell in their lap. 
obviously huge example there with C.D. Lamb at number 17 in the first. They got Trevin Diggs, who could have been a first rounder at number 51. Uh, Neville Gallimore at 82. They got center um, yeah. Tyler Biadas at number 146, which fills the void of Travis Frederick. Yep. Um, and then they got defensive end Bradley Anay at number 179. I thought those were all really good picks for them. And then my last team, analysts gave so much love to Baltimore and Dallas as like two of the top teams. But I think a team that quietly had a really good draft was the Cleveland Browns. They did, um, yeah. They took offensive tackle Jedrick Wills at number 10, which he could have been projected as high as number four to the Giants. Yeah. But they stayed put. They got a tackle to protect Baker Mayfield. Need that. They got Grant Delpit at number 44, which was a great pick. Tight end Harrison Bryant at number 115, one of the top tight ends in the draft. And one another late, late, late wide receiver, I think can pan out. At 187, they got wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones out of Michigan. So those are my three teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like that pick of yours with the Browns. Um, you just kind of hope that they they utilize these weapons that they just oh, received yeah. um in the right way so because we know it is a broken organization for sure yeah. um, they needed so. they needed to have a good draft and i think they yeah. did um so similar to you i did go with the ravens and the cowboys um the ravens um everything that you outlined but you just you love to see a really talented team um, and all of the successes they had in the previous year come out and have a really good draft because you've seen a lot of them. I know it's a little scary. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> Damn, how much better can you get? Um, but I do appreciate a lot of the effort that goes into, you know, a draft like this for teams and that you can just tell that the Ravens did put a lot of time. Do you want to hear a really fun fact? I don't know if you saw this, um, but John, head coach John Harbaugh actually lives is a direct next door neighbor of the Baltimore's GM. So they were like in their backyards oh like my talking God. about stuff. I'm like, this is an unfair advantage. Like, Hey, well it, it showed that they were social distancing, putting their minds together and developing a bomb ass draft because they clearly did a great job. Um, because you've seen teams that, you know, are, are maybe have been really good in the past or just are genuinely a good and come out and have, and there's examples from this draft. It's also really hard to be that good of a team the season before knowing you're get a lot, getting, you know, the, one of the last yeah. in the first round and then so on and so forth. Um, so to be like at the end of each round and still come out as one of the top winners in this draft, that's huge. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, with the Cowboys, it pains me to write it down. Um, but they did get a lot of weapons. They got a, a lot of Alabama weapons and I'm just like, God, <laughs> um, but they did hands, you know, hats off to them. They did a, they did a good job. Um, you know, obviously a team, you know, a new head coach, they need to really shape yeah. and move things. So to have a new head coach in that position to work with the general manager to, you know, draft a bunch of new guys, um, again, hats off to them. Um, and my third and final pick, you know, totally unbiased here. I went with the New York Giants. Um, okay. I am just day over day, you know, seeing like a lot of analyst reviews coming out, just Giants Twitter, just making their bold statements. I, I don't think I've seen an upset Giants fan on Twitter, which has been a long time coming. <laughs> um, 
And just kind of seeing like the end to end potential of all of these kids, you know, even our final pick of the draft, even what we did an hour after the draft with all these undrafted kids. um, It just, it's very impressive. And they are putting the investment in our future and our future is Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. And it's, it's great. Um, So again, unbiased, but you got to look at the data. You got to look at the detail. Um, They did a great job. Yeah. What three teams do you think had the worst draft? All right, well, I'm going to kick it off with the popular opinion of saying that Green Bay Packers had a bad draft. Um, they traded uh, – okay, let's, let's keep in mind. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't like, oh, Jordan Love fell in their lap, and it kind of made sense, whatever. No, they traded up yeah. to number 26 to take quarterback Jordan Love. Um, you know, you've, you're, you are on the brink of a Super Bowl. You made the NFC Championship. I mean, we've, all, we've heard it on TV. We've read it on websites. I don't really need to go too far into a, why people felt this wasn't a good pick. Yeah. Um, then in the second, in one of the – and to me, and people were really mad they didn't take a wide receiver in the first. So I'm like, okay, okay. But this is the deepest wide receiver draft. Yeah. I can't even tell you how long. So the second round had so many gems. And I was like, okay, let's chill out, Green Bay. Like, you're going to get your wide receiver in the yeah. set. They ended up taking running back, uh, running back A.J. Dillon at number 63. You don't need a running back. You have Aaron Jones. You need a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, and not only did they not go for a wide receiver in the second, they didn't go for a wide receiver in the entire draft. I mean, I, I don't – I have no words yeah. for it. I truly don't. That's like um, a Jerry Reese move, Giants circa like 2012. It was, it was like awful. very, very strange. But yeah. Um, my second team on this list, I really want to point them out because I feel as though Dave Gellman has been getting like a ton of flack. He's like, you know, some of the moves he's made, these last two drafts, like people always like to tease like, what the hell? Like, what is Gettleman thinking? Why does he do these crazy weird things? Um, but I think a team that's flying under the radar of doing crazier things is the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. I think you've got Mike Mayock at GM and you've got John Gruden at head coach. You almost think that's like an unfair advantage. <laughs> Yet I think they're thinking that they're like too cool for yeah. school and they think they know like more insider information than everybody else. So it's like, yeah. ooh, we're going to take this and people don't realize how good he is. This yeah. is a team who took Cleland Farrell at number four last year it was weird and they followed it up by doing more weird things this year so they um they took henry ruggs at number 12 and and this is nothing against henry ruggs but he was the first wide receiver off the board to them and i honestly felt like he was the third best wide receiver option in this draft yeah um then they followed it up by going with uh cornerback damon arnett at number 19 which everybody was like he could have gone way later so they just followed up by doing more weird things in this draft. And then my last team is actually the New England Patriots. Um, not necessarily just because they didn't draft a quarterback, yeah. but they um, they had picks and they just kind of kept trying to, they kept trading and like going backwards and they didn't end up picking until number 37. They took safety Kyle Duger and then they ended up doing like the golden no-no of taking a kicker in the fifth round. Like, okay, maybe, maybe at the end of the six, maybe in the seven, but for the most time, most part, you can get your kicker as an undrafted free agent. You shouldn't really be wasting a fifth round pick on a kicker. So, um, that's why, that's why they round out my third, 
They just don't ever really have like a lot of like spotlight people go to them. And I feel like they, they fly under the radar of like, they're pretty average year over year, the Patriots. Um, But I don't think anyone ever wants to give them a bad draft grade um, because it's them and they'll do whatever. But I think people did. I mean, reading across. I saw a couple Bs, which is not bad. No, it's not bad. But then I I read more like other ones where they were like, yeah, like didn't love what they did. Yeah. I do like your pick with the Raiders, though, because I did read a really interesting article and a really interesting draft um, pick or grade for them. I believe the the grade was like a C or a C minus. Um, And it was the guy, the analyst that was doing it. I believe he was an ESPN analyst. He was saying, like, listen, like in five years, I could be kicking myself in the ass or more realistically in five years, you guys are going to be like, wow, C minus was generous to give the Raiders for this draft. I so feel like everybody loves John Gruden and everyone loves Mike Mayock that like, they're not giving them as much shit as they should be getting. Whereas yeah. someone like Dave Gettleman, oh my God, people freak yeah. out over what he does. Like I feel I agree. like people need to be freaking out over how Gruden and Mayock have drafted in these last two drafts. Yeah. I agree. Um, so I too went with, um, the Packers. Um, again, I think it's just like a no brainer there. If that's not on your list of three, then we definitely have to have a conversation. Um, but then the two other teams I went with, um, I went with the Texans. Um, it's just another, it just wasn't thrilling. There was just no one really that kind of just stood out. Um, a lot of across the boards I was seeing were anywhere from a C to a B minus. And it just, in my opinion, a team that, you know, obviously they, they're fine, but you also have to uh, realize that you just gave, you know, yeah. uh, DeAndre Hopkins is no longer on your team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I know they've been moving around in the free agency a little bit, and maybe they have some more room now that the draft is over. Um, but, you know, you, you need a team like that that kind of is, you know, meh year over year. and. Yeah break through and do something big to get that organization to the next level. I also feel like that division is not a good division. It's kind of up for grabs. So if you just like really solidified your roster and had a phenomenal draft, you can win that division. And they can, they have every edge of ability. So again, I just wasn't thrilled with what they did as many others weren't as well. And then my final team, which this really bothered me with how poor their draft was, in my opinion, um, the Los Angeles chargers, um, you lost your franchise quarterback. Obviously I understand, um, that, Oh my God, he's my favorite person. Why am I blanking on his name? Um, is now your quarterback, but, um, I, Justin Herbert. No. Are you talking about who they drafted or who? No. The kid from. Philip Rivers? No. Which team are you talking about? The Chargers. Okay. And what about them? Didn't they sign, um, what's his name? They the have kid? Tyrod, they have Tyrod Taylor. And Why they are on this? now Justin Herbert. Oh, who am I thinking of then? I don't are you thinking of Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah. Who do you think? the Panthers. Oh, duh. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I listen, don't ever listen to me on this. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Quarantine is getting to my head. I'm telling you, I don't. Oh God. And I can't believe I forgot his name. I love Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, so the reason why this bothered me, um, so obviously the QB scenario, they did everything they could to get Justin Herbert, but then they also had another first round pick in Murray. They put all their eggs in one basket and then the rest of the draft was trashed. So you're banking on these two picks to be your end all be all. And the Chargers, the shadiest team in the NFL, super, super, super good. And the playoffs come around. Oh, they shit the bed every single year. And and they've asked they've asked the Chargers too post draft about Justin Herbert and their plans for him. And it doesn't seem like this is like they yeah. have any plans to start this kid day one. So yeah. it's kind of like it's not like at six you got like the stud QB of the draft. No. You got someone who you know might be sitting behind Tyrod Taylor, yeah. and you don't get to utilize your number six pick. So. So serious. So that's like my biggest thing there is like you put all your energy into two first round picks and then you did absolutely nothing in the rest of the draft. So to me and two and energy into two people that might not even pan out for you. So uh, that definitely put them in the worst three for me. Okay. So number three, question number three, what do you think was the most surprising pick and or picks? So I'm going with what happened with the quarterbacks, not necessarily Herbert and Joe Burrow and Tua. I'm going with, obviously, as we spoke before in our poll question, Jordan Love to Green Bay, Jalen Hurts to Philly. But I also want to talk about two others. We had quarterback James Morgan go to the New York Jets in the fourth round. Number one, that's the fourth (laughs) round. Number round. Who? (laughs) That's the fourth (laughs) round. You can still get a really solid player in the fourth round. And to me, the Jets, who don't need a quarterback, if you really felt you needed to go out and get Sam Darnold's uh, backup quarterback, you should have gotten it way later. And then not only that, but you took James Morgan when other names were on the board that I thought were better, including someone else I want to talk about, quarterback uh, Jake Fromm who went in the fifth round. He was the quarterback that ended up slipping the most. Um, And he went in the fifth round of the Buffalo Bills. Again, a team that has a young starting quarterback, Josh Allen. So I was really surprised to see uh, after, after, again, Burrow, Tua, and Herbert. I was really surprised to see what happened with the quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. And, you know, we keep saying it's the, it's the year of the QB, yeah. um, but I think it's the year of the QB of surprising, you know, shifts, movements, and a draft that we probably couldn't have, you know, fully predicted because you just named three guys that we did, three or four guys that we didn't know this, this would happen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there was also, you know, like three that, yeah, we knew would happen. Um, so mine are similar to yours. Um, So I did go with Jalen Hurts to the Eagles. I was obviously beyond shocked. We already spoke about that earlier. I'm still not over it. Not over it. Never will get over it. Um, And then I think what the most, um, like, kind of interesting thing was, so Jake Fromm dropping to the fifth round to the Bills, but also noting that the Bills then took a kicker in the sixth round. So you bet it was probably on their minds, like, shoot, like, should we go after Fromm now because he's still on the board? Because later on, they made that, they pulled that trigger, that, that, what's that, I'm trying the right phrase, that, I don't know, that trigger to get a kicker in the draft. I mean, I forgot that they got a kicker. So you just mentioning this says to me that, like, the Bills could have been up for consideration for being another team that had a bad draft because you didn't need Jake from 
I mean, you took it, getting yeah. him in the fifth was good value, but you didn't need him. And taking right. a pitcher in the draft, again, I just think is a big no-no. Like, I'm just, I, I never want the Giants to do it. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I just think it's that wild that Jake Fromm fell that far to a team yeah. that, that picked a, a kicker and that's around later. So that's why when I said I was going to talk about it later is I really felt like nobody would have laughed at New England or thought they were crazy if, like, in the fourth or fifth round, there's Jake Fromm sitting there and they, they took Jake him. Fromm and just rolled the dice on him. You know, I'm a little I mean, shocked they didn't. Give him a chance because I also feel like Jake Fromm is like a Patriots style quarterback. Yeah. He's a great leader. Like, I, he's a very respectable young man. Like, I really felt like that could have been a great fit. And so I was surprised that he yeah. pulled the trigger on that. I don't know. A lot of stuff happens behind the scenes. So maybe Bill Belichick did meet with him and it just didn't click. Uh-huh. I don't know. And he makes the rules. So. Yes. Yes. Uh, so question number four. What was your favorite pick that the New York Giants made? I mean, I feel like you're going to agree with me here on our second rounder. And again, the Giants always, like you mentioned the week before, absolutely killing it every year in the second Look it up. Go on Wikipedia and look up the Giants drafts history, the draft history. You will see year end, year out, the Giants do phenomenal in the second round. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going safety, Xavier McKinney. He was in the second at number uh, 36. We had the fourth pick. pick. We had the fourth pick in the second round. And um, I want to just say this. I think this is one of the best drafts and I can't even tell you how long because I really do believe you're going to see a ton of pro bowlers come out. In the second Hell yeah. Like I can't even believe the names. And I think if this is any other year, a lot of these guys are first rounders. Um, yeah. So the second round started off and the first three teams took offensive players, which was great because mm-hmm. we wanted a really defensive stud. Like we yeah. had defensive guys there. And to me, when I saw the first three were offense, I was like, cool, we're going to snag yeah. like, defensive stud right here and and mel kuyper mel kuyper jr had xavier mckinney as his number 15 overall prospect yeah and we're getting him at number 36 i'll take How, it yeah yeah i definitely agree with that um huge huge pick for the new york giants um i know we were texting prior there was another safety on the board i believe it was the safety from washington um, I forget his name. Um, I, I think I was leaning more towards him, um, but do understand, like, I am a, I am an Alabama girl. So well, there was, know. there was Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota safety. Maybe that's who I'm uh, thinking people of. People thought maybe, I don't know. maybe him. Um, yeah. That could have been who you were thinking about. Maybe. But I, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Xavier McKinney was a, a first rounder he, for sure. Yeah. And kid's a monster. And listen, I know that for the past, like, you know, X amount of seasons that I've been right. watching him. Um, he definitely is. So I'm beyond thrilled about that. Anytime a Bama boy goes to the New York Giants, I get excited. Um, I did also put Andrew Thomas, though, um, because I think the Giants, and you can do it again, do the Wikipedia, sometimes our first-round picks are questionable, stupid, and they don't pan out. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Um, but I feel like with this one, you know, they said his name, and we were like, okay, both of us had to take a step back and kind of analyze it. Um, you know, he wasn't definitely our top choice, but then after reading everything and totally understanding and even listening, you know, to our friends, like on other podcasts, like talking giants, like, you know, that he was their pick, like going into the draft and you had pointed that out to me. And I was like, well, those guys like really know their stuff. Like they, they really do. So, um, but then again, it wasn't a pick like Giants Twitter is brutal, a brutal Twitter to be a part of. It really is. Um, No one was really upset. 
And if people were upset, they weren't like bashing the Giants. They were just like, I need to learn more. Yeah, I think people were surprised. I don't think people were upset. I think surprised is the word. And I think uh, once we started seeing a lot of analysts come out and be like, oh, you know, you might be surprised, but like we had Andrew Thomas as our number one offensive lineman in this class. Like it was like, oh, okay. I feel better now. So. Yeah. yeah, so I'm just, I'm very happy that I think the Giants made a lot of bold but smart mm-hmm. decisions in this draft. Yeah. Um, and I think to be successful in the NFL, you need to have someone with a mindset that can do both of those things. Yes. So, number five, what grade would you give the Giants draft? I'm giving them love. I'm certainly not giving them the amount of love you are, but I'm giving them a B plus um, just Ooh. because of the fact that I really do think that at some point they needed to they needed to find a defensive end. They needed to get a pass rusher. I mean, if like, I know there's whispers of maybe they will get Marcus Golden back now, but if you don't, like, we, we have nobody that's collecting Me sacks. Man. We have nobody collecting sacks for us on the Giants. And it has been a hot minute. We used to be like, we fly high, no lie, you Ball. know this. Balling. We used to be the sack masters. And it's been, a, it's been a long, long time. So the fact that they didn't take a defensive end in this draft really bummed me out. And then I thought because of the fact that it was such a deep wide receiver class, I felt, no need to, I felt no need to get one, you know, rounds one through three. But I definitely would have liked to see them snag a wide receiver towards the end. <clears throat> And yeah. it didn't. So that's my disappointment. I like the picks that they got. I just felt like there were a few, couple, few other holes that we needed to fill that we didn't. And so for that, I'm giving them a B plus. Yeah, I mean, regardless of everything that you just outlined, and I think it's fair, it's 100% honest. I mean, the wide receiver thing, you know, we were texting with my brother like the day before, and like he had mentioned to go after a wide receiver. And I kind of challenged him. I, I wanted, said, do we really need one? I, but, see, yeah. I wanted to get our Darius Slayton again. I, I wanted know. to get a guy in the fifth, sixth round who was going to be our new Darius Slayton. That's yeah. what I wanted. No, I think that's totally fair. I'm going to give them an A, I know, because I'm going to give them love. Um, I just think this is the first draft in a very long time that I've been confident from pick yeah. one to <laughs> our last pick yeah. and the overall last pick, Mr. That's Irrelevant. Fair. So, um, and uh, yeah, I just, every guy that came up on the board, Um, even if I had to dig a little deeper and do a little bit more research on him, I was very confident um, with the numbers I was seeing with, and first of all, not only the numbers I was seeing, how these kids reacted to the draft. That's a huge thing. Like you could be like Eli Apple, total douchebag. (laughs) Called him out on Twitter this weekend. I hope he read it. Um, So uh, number six, now that the draft is over, what team should Cam Newton sign with? There's some whispers about maybe it would be a good fit to go to the Steelers. And I, and I kind of see, Oh, actually, I, I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> I see that and I understand the logic behind it, but I'm still going. And I said this before the draft, I'm saying it post draft. I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. You can't throw all your chips in on Gardner Minshew. Right. Um, I think this would make perfect sense for Cam to uh, join the Jacksonville Jaguars. I literally, I've not heard that Steelers one yet. So I'm actually pretty shocked by that. Um, I have to dig into that a little deeper. Um, (laughs) It's like literally shocked. Um, I went with the Jags too. Um, I know there's been, you know, also like other whispers of like the Patriots and the Broncos Um, for the Patriots. So like what I said earlier, you know, those rumors that are whispering that they're looking at their number two guy or their previous number two guy to make him their number one. So if that's the case, they don't want Cam Newton coming in. Um, So yeah, so that's my, my thought there. Okay. 
All right, number seven, what was the biggest steal of the first round? So I think like the most popular answer here is CeeDee Lamb to the Cowboys at number 17. I didn't pick I also want to, but they're my honorable mention here. And I also want to give an honorable mention to the fact that the Cardinal, Cardinals were able to land Isaiah Simmons. That's what I think. <laughs> that's what I Yeah. Think. And that's a huge, that's a huge steal because again, like I, I told you last week, if this was another year in another draft, Isaiah Simmons is a top three player. Absolutely. So, um, but the Cardinals are really sat pretty and he yeah. just landed in their lap. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm going to go with a team who sat pretty um, at number at number 15 uh, in the Denver Broncos taking wide receiver Jerry Judy. I know. That's a good one. So I knew the Broncos were probably going to draft a wide receiver, right, at their spot. And I thought maybe they were even going to try to trade up. Mm-hmm. They stayed. Yeah. And they were – I knew they were going to take a wide receiver, but they were at the bottom of the totem pole because I thought potentially the Jets, the Raiders, the Niners, the Eagles, everybody was going to pick before them and they were going to like get the guy, right? Yeah. Henry Ruggs ends up going off the board first, the Raiders. Um, and then you think for sure the Niners are like taking Judy, like, holy crap, Judy's here. They well, take I tweeted that and I was like, are the 49ers really right. going to casually get Jerry Judy right now? We, we all thought that. I even thought that because the Niners, like, it was no knowledge that the Niners wanted to trade out of maybe their, their two yeah. spots in the first. I was like, oh, for sure, like, Denver probably is going to come knocking on the Niners' door and yeah. take the wide receiver they want. And they just stayed. And somehow Jerry Judy fell in their lap. And I thought that was a huge deal and a huge win. And I'm telling you, I've been saying it for a while now. I have great feelings about a young quarterback, Drew Locke. And I think Drew Locke to Jerry Judy, ooh, I like that combination. I I like it. And let's not forget their new offensive coordinator over in Denver, Mr. Pat Sherman. So we'll see what Pat does with that. Love him. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. So like, yeah, so I, obviously I went with Isaiah Simmons falling to the Cardinals. Um, but I just, you know, Jerry Judy, aside from him um, being a Bama boy, he's one of those people, we always talk about this, like we're diehard Giants fans, love our players, everything like that. There's always those key players at the NFL that you just love to watch. They're just exciting to watch. Yeah. Jerry Judy is going to be one of those kids. And yeah. I think what you just outlined with him and Drew Locke, like that's a, that could be a fire combo. And okay. that will be exciting and hopefully will be exciting, you know, to watch. So For sure. Looking forward to that. All right, number eight. What was your favorite pick of the second round? It's probably the hardest question out of our 10 questions here because, as I said, I think the guys that went in the second round, there's so many studs. Oh, yeah. One, right? But I'm going with – um. I was actually pretty impressed by the New York Jets selecting wide receiver Denzel Mims at number 59 because – yeah. You know, the Jets. It went downhill from there. That was a good pick. <laughs> downhill. The Jets. We kind of knew in the first round they were either going to take an offensive lineman or a wide receiver. And mm-hmm. I know, like we joke, like, oh my god, if they don't take a wide receiver in the first, like they're stupid because they desperately, desperately, yeah. right. But again, with it being the deepest wide receiver draft, I actually give them a lot of kudos for taking yep. Becton in the first. You know, again, another guy who could have been. Dr- projected as high as four to the Giants. Um, so they land a lineman to protect Sam Darnold. And then I think they'd have a stud in the second round in Denzel Mims. I think he's going to be huge for them and huge for Sam Darnold. So I think 
not only like that pick because we're specifically talking about the second round, but I think for the New York Jets, their first and second yeah. round, I think that's a home run for them. Yeah. Yeah, which is shocking. Like I said, it will. I mean, I'll, I'll bring it up later, but it went downhill real quick for them. But <laughs> um, So I went with Trayvon Diggs to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think they got him in a great spot. Um, yeah. You know, Trayvon Diggs is beyond talented. And like you said, like all of this talent, you know, and for a cornerback, it was a cornerback heavy yeah. as much as a wide receiver okay. heavy. Okay. Yeah, yeah draft so there was talent left and right in any other year anything like that even this year I could have seen him in the first round he's a very talented kid for him to to go to Dallas in the second round where they got him was great and not to mention he went 51 yeah but then not to mention the Eagles took Jalen Hurts two picks later so this was the madness that was going on so you were able to secure someone like Trayvon Diggs when the Eagles jumped some random gun and took Jalen Hurts yeah. two picks later that was a solid pick in my opinion. it was it so, was I'm very jealous but it was a good one yeah <laughs> um number nine what was your favorite pick outside of the first two rounds I have a little spin on this one. I, I'm giving love to three players so okay. I've got um one in the third one in the fourth and one in the fifth um in the third round this was a guy I talked about a lot in, uh, in outside linebacker, Zach Vaughn, mm-hmm. going to the New Orleans Saints uh, in the third round. And the New Orleans Saints really yeah. did not have many picks. And the fact that they landed Zach Vaughn in the third, who I honestly, like, I wanted the Giants to take yeah. him in the second, potentially. And I even saw some mock drafts that had him in the first. So this is not for a team that had very few picks. That was phenomenal value for the Saints in the third round. Um, I also took who, again, could be a potential Darius Slayton here, right? He played at a small school. So I feel like if he played in Alabama, this kid maybe could have been like a second rounder. But I'm talking about wide receiver Antonio Gandy-Golden, who's out of Liberty University, definitely not a football school. Um, And unfortunately, he went to the Washington Redskins. But I think that could be a name that we need to look out for. Um, And then my last one, I am going to give some love to the New York Giants. In the fifth round, taking guard Shane Lemieux out of Oregon. I thought this was, besides Xavier McKinney, I thought this was probably the second best pick. Dude, this kid's a monster. This kid's a beast. He's a guard, <laughs> but he can definitely um, he can definitely play center, and it's looking like maybe he will be pushed yeah. center for the Giants. And to me, the reason this is such a great pick um, is because I know the Giants really need offensive line help, and they addressed that in the first, and they even addressed it in the third with Matt Pert out of UConn. But Matt Pert is more of like a developmental player, yeah. whereas Shane Lemieux, we got him in the fifth. This is a kid. Look out. There is a very, very solid chance that he is starting week one for the New York Giants at center. So if you're getting a, yeah. if you desperately need, need, uh, need alignment and you're getting a starter in the fifth round, that's to the end. So my dad brought this up to me and I thought it was super interesting. So um, I went over to my parents' house on Sunday to grab a couple things. We social distanced, don't worry. <laughs> um, my dad and I obviously talked to draft. Um, and, you know, I brought up a couple of the pain points that, you know, you and I discussed not taking a wide receiver. We could have, you know, more edge, more DN, things like yeah. that. Um, and he was like, listen, like, you got to think about it this way. Joe Judge, special teams guy. A lot of the guys they took in the later rounds can be 
quickly transition into special teams guys and be very talented. Cornerbacks are speedy guys. Yeah. And not saying that the kid from Oregon, I, I just, I'm, I'm not using yeah. that as an anecdote. I'm just saying, but yeah, so I thought that was an interesting take on things. I guess that's, that's not really how I was looking at things. I was like, Oh God, like another, like, linebacker (laughs) we have 15 of them (laughs) um thinking in joe judge's mindset and what he's implementing into dave gettleman's mind you know they're looking for guys that and i think even a lot of the guys that might become starters in you know in this example too that you had just picked like a guard but putting him at center we picked a lot of versatile guys which is really good in my opinion um so that's my two cents on that. Um, so I actually went, I took a fun spin on this because I thought yeah. it was my favorite pick because it was hilarious and probably the dumbest pick of the draft, aside okay. from the Packers taking Jordan Love. The Jets taking a quarterback in the fourth round. Are you kidding me? And it wasn't Jake Fromm or Eason. It was that random-ass kid from, like, Florida, like – Florida International University. So wait, is this your favorite pick because of comic relief? Yes. And because it's like, are you stupid? That's why it's my favorite pick. It was weird. And that's why I said earlier, like, great. Wow. The Jets did great in the first two rounds. And I was actually, I was defending the Jets in the second round for that wide receiver pick on Twitter because a lot of their fans were bitching about it. I was like, no. Yeah. Listen, football Twitter is a very, very scary Twitter. (laughs) And I was actually defending them, that pick, and then this happened. So, Jets, I will defend you to a certain extent. I can't (laughs) defend stupidity. And that's why it's my favorite pick, because it was the dumbest pick of the day. All right, all right. Hands down. Yeah, it was a weird one. Absolutely. And our final question of this game, we've been having so much fun with this game. It's gone yeah. for like 30 minutes. What was your favorite moment of the first ever virtual draft? I mean, I freaked out anytime I saw a dog come on anybody's <laughs> video chat, right? Like a total, total dog freak. Where was Abby? Justice for Abby. Justice for Abby. Um, yeah, there was a huge, like, bunch of talk about Joe Judge and his dog, Abby, uh, when they were studying for the draft. Good uh, girl. Pre-draft. And then nobody saw Abby during the actual draft. And everyone was really bummed out about that. Justice but, for Abby. but I also really loved, like, when the Giants would make a pick. And then I would see on Twitter people go, like, great pick, Abby. Great pick. <laughs> Abby! Also, also, obviously, Bill Belichick's dog, Nike, stole the show. Um, sitting in for Bill and, and making those picks. and Literally made a pick. Uh, Putting putting the nose to the to the keyboard and really studying and and, and making some picks for the maybe that's why I have them as one of my worst uh, draft teams. Nike, I don't know. He how did a decent job. <laughs> He's just um, a dog. And then besides the dogs, I just thought it was phenomenal that like because of the situation that they've all found themselves in and having to do this virtual draft from home is yeah. I understand how much more important it is for GMs, head coaches, scouts, like the whole team to be together in one room. But I really love the fact that instead this year they were surrounded by family members. They were surrounded by their kids and their wives and and husbands. And I just- It really humanizes it. I thought that this is what made it such a fun, exciting, enjoyable draft to watch. I, I loved that. I thought that was the best part. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I obviously went with Nike. Um, yeah. 
stealing the show, literally make, making, like Bill Belichick was absent for about 35, 40 minutes, I think. And the dog was just on screen the whole time, um, making picks for the uh, New England Patriots. Um, but I also did, and I know it was great to see family, kids, uh, dogs, things like that. Um, I also the actually, houses. and the houses, obviously. The houses. Um, I also really appreciated how um, kind of chill and relaxed uh, Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman were. They were alone. Yeah. Um, Joe Judge had his feet up, feet up the whole time, yeah. just chilling. Uh, Dave Gettleman, literally his setup was a bunch of textbooks and, you know, his computer on top of it. No, and dis no distractions for these two. No distractions. Um, and I think they're both no nonsense, like balls to the walls guys. And I'm really excited for the two of them to put their heads together. Obviously they put them together very wisely for yeah. this draft. Um, so that was another favorite of mine to see just kind of how low key and chill that yeah. both of them were during this. And also for all the haters out there and people making fun of Dave Gettleman for wearing a mask, he literally is, uh, suffered from cancer and is like still like recovering yeah. and there was technical people in his house. So people that were outside people coming in. So he needed to wear that mask because he is a high risk person for coronavirus. So please don't make fun of him for yeah. what he does in the NFL, but do not make fun of him for wearing a mask inside yeah. of his own house either. So yes. you are stupid and you have no idea what's going on. So yes. please and thank you. So that was that great game. Great game. I think that was a wonderful way. Like, honestly, I feel like we hit like all of like the big, not like our personal big points, but like our personal big points kind of hit all the big stories from that draft. Like, yeah. whoa, those were the shocking picks. Whoa, those were the great picks. Those were the shitty picks. Like, yeah. So I definitely feel like that was a great overview. And uh, I know it did go long. So we can run through a lot of these next ones pretty quickly. But let's get into our big stories of the week in football, obviously, besides the draft. Um, the biggest news post-draft is the fact that Jameis Winston has now signed. Oh, that was like Sunday morning. I was not ready for that. Yeah, no, that was like, that was huge <laughs> news. Um, so, um, and we talked about the fact that once the draft was over, we were going to see these big veteran names land on teams. Um, so at the conclusion of the 2020 NFL draft, New Orleans did like immediately, this caught me off guard too, yeah. immediately announced that they had plans set to sign a veteran quarterback. So now we're all sitting back like, oh, my God, who's it going to be? Who's going to be? Um, my husband really thought it was going to be Cam Newton. I was kind of between Cam and Jameis. Uh, and then we find out that it is Jameis Winston. And yesterday afternoon, uh, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback did officially sign a one-year, $1.1 million deal with New Orleans. I mean, that's no, that's no, like, loss on New Orleans' part. It's, like, a really cheap contract. And, like, okay, if Drew happens to get hurt – uh, we can bowl with him and, and, you know, if Drew decides to retire after this next season, then maybe we like yeah. Jameis and we'll keep him, you know, on a more of a long-term basis. But yeah. anyways, Winston, uh, who was obviously replaced by Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, will now back up quarterback Drew Brees. And the NFC South is definitely looking really different this year, especially at the quarterback helm, because, you know, we now have Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, we have Teddy Bridgewater for the Carolina Panthers, and we have Matt Ryan for the Falcons. So we yeah. have a lot of veteran names there, but they're like new names to the division. And then, of course, uh, we have Teddy Bridgewater, who, who is a newcomer to the division as well, playing for the Panthers. Um, and then just a storyline that everybody needs to like definitely watch out for. I mean, this would be a phenomenal team to follow on hard knocks. I'd love to see it, but... Um, 
New Orleans head coach Sean Payton, like before Jameis, before the draft, everything like that, had announced that quarterback Taysom Hill was going to be, you know, the second string quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. no surprise there. Um, but on Sunday, Taysom Hill saw, agreed to a two-year $21 million extension. So that was kind of, like, surprising. Like, yeah. I don't know. They didn't necessarily need to bring on Jameis or Cam Newton or any other veteran or whatever. Like they could have just decided to roll with Taysom Hill as the backup. I I don't know. I think they like using Taysom Hill as that option. Um, I think the Eagles are going to be very similar to use Jalen Hurts. This is exactly what the Eagles are going to do with Jalen Hurts. But the Saints are so successful with it. Other teams have tried it. I know I've seen the Patriots do it. The Saints are the only team that have like cracked the code that can do this actually. If the Eagles are going to use their second round pick on Jalen Hurts, you better as like, you better make this work and honestly if they can can make it work it's it's a huge frustration for other teams and other defenses to try to guess like okay on this snap am I going to see Carson Wentz or on this snap am I going to see Jalen and when Jalen comes in am I going to see him throwing the ball or am I going to see him running the ball how is this going to look yeah all I know is if Jalen Hurts comes in on a play and Carson Wentz is like a decoy I hate to say it but like that's not a good situation for Carson Wentz to be a decoy. No, he's gonna get hurt. God, like guys are gonna tackle him, and he's if he gets get hurt, hurt, forget it. Yeah. Like, but that's immediately what I thought when they drafted Jalen Hurts. I was like, uh, Wentz is a decoy. Is <laughs> yeah, not a good situation. But I just think that the Saints are just, and I don't think Taysom Hill should find this offensively or anything. I just think that they always will see him as you know, that, that shift player in, you know, what's crazy. You always think Taysom Hill is like really young. Oh, but he's like been around he's for 30. I know. He's 30. Like, know. That's kind of crazy. Like, Every time I see him, I think he's like 23 years old. You always think like he like just came out of college yeah. and he's no. backing up yeah. Drew Brees and like, he's like <laughs> the future of the saints. But, yeah. and I, I mean, he could be, but the future of the Saints right yeah. now is 30 years old. So that's yeah. kind of crazy. I always forget that. But yeah. All right. So that, that, that was the biggest one. That was the biggest. Yeah. So let's get into some quick hop topics. And we have a couple yeah. um, hot topics, like hot topic, the store in the mall that you're <laughs> social listening. <laughs> Scary store in the mall. <laughs> Scary store. I read a, the reason why I came to mind, I read a BuzzFeed article earlier and it was like yeah. all like, the stores in the mall that will make you nostalgic. And it was like Hot Topic was one of them. Spencer's, like, limited to, oh my God. Claire's, and they were like, this is like, this is what you bought at Claire's. And they were like, and most likely you got your ears pierced there. And I yes. did all of these. You years. were with me, you were with me, I, except I wasn't 10 years old. I was like 23. <laughs> But she held my hand. I got these ones done at like a pharmacy. I think that used to be the thing. You got them done at a pharmacy when you were younger. I was young, Katie. (laughs) When I got older, this is like all pierced right here. Like my cartilages, um, multiple. I got all those done at Claire. So when I saw Uh that, I was like spot on BuzzFeed. Yeah. (laughs) So going back to football. um, So during the NFL draft, Washington traded. This is like one of the biggest things that happened. Oh, yeah. Traded seven-time Pro Bowl. Um, Trent Williams yeah. to San Francisco in exchange for a 
right that at a time, a fifth round pick in the 2020 draft and a 2021 third rounder. Um, so on Saturday, um, Joe, oh, excuse me, um, San Francisco left tackle, Joe Staley announced his retirement. So clearly this trade makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. After 13 years with San Francisco, which is a very long time, good for him, good career, um, informed San Francisco of his plans ahead of time to give them time to find a replacement. And what a replacement did the San Francisco 49ers freaking buy. Yeah. I am so happy that Trent Williams is no longer on the Washington Redskins. Me too, me too. <laughs> so, so just like a couple really quick points, uh, you know, living with a Niners fan, married to a Niners fan, I know that uh, San Francisco had very, very, very little draft picks uh, this yeah. year. And I know that even my husband was kind of bummed at the fact that the Niners traded up um, at the end of the first round to take wide receiver Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State because mm-hmm. they gave up the very few draft picks they had to get him. So I understand that. But honestly, like one of the best things that happened during this draft was the fact that they got um, Trent Williams. And I also want to give like massive love and credit to Joe Staley, not only for having a phenomenal career. I mean, I think of Joe Staley and I think of like, he was like the blueprint, the way like our guys like O'Hara and, you know, McKenzie and all those guys, Cyber, like, like to me, that's like what Joe Staley was. He was a stud for San Fran. And not only do I want to give him a lot of love and a lot of credit on his career, but a lot of love and a lot of credit that he gave the Niners like this heads up, like I'm going to retire, but I'm going to keep it quiet until the draft. So like you have time to replace me or like you have time to like make a trade, make moves. And like, people won't be like, prone to what's going right. on because yeah. I'm keeping this under wraps because Team people thought, so people thought Joe Staley was coming back but again this is such a phenomenal move for San Fran and I know some of them some San Fran fans can be a little bummed with the draft the fact that there wasn't a lot of action but to me it's like who cares about the picks you got like, you're in the Super yeah. Bowl you didn't have many holes that you needed to fill one of them was ride receiver and you took Brandon Ayuk yeah. I get it like you traded up but whatever and now you got Joe Stale, or, or Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles in the game. This was a huge win for the Niners. So. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. Um, so, yeah, so San Francisco also made a couple more trade moves during the draft. Um, they traded wide receiver Marquise Goodwin and pick 210 to Philadelphia in exchange for pick 190. And they also yeah. traded running back Matt Breida to Miami for a uh, 2025th rounder. So again, a, making moves. Yeah, that was another one uh, my husband wasn't thrilled with. He felt I don't think that, many people He were. felt that Matt Burita was worth a lot more than a fifth rounder. I, uh, I think and I agree. Is. I agree. Yeah, 100%. And, um, and I think Miami, that, that's, a, that's a great pick for Miami, a great pickup. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you hate to see them lose Marquise Goodwin because he is a wide receiver and they could use some wide receivers. I know they got Brandon Ayuk, but – uh yeah I was a little surprised by those two moves but San Francisco was the only team like wheeling and dealing throughout the draft so they were the ones making moves yeah well like you said they didn't really have much to do in the draft so they had to do a lot of things offline but hey I wouldn't be uh opposed to some to a tag of Aloha handoffs to Matt Breida in 2020 so let's see it um so moving on to our third topic a hot topic 
Um, the NFL schedule release was set for May 9th, um, but reports being made that they might be pushing it out. Um, so yeah, the whole entire season, there's rumors going around that it's not starting until like October, November, things like that. Um, so content, there's a contingency plan put in place in place um, involving a late start to the season. So again, I saw like October, November, um, and then also move the Super Bowl from February 7th to the 28th. Uh, other things too that they're looking at, uh, no bye weeks, um, no Pro Bowl, wow. things like that. So well, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So like playoffs end and like get right into the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. okay. I think um, it makes sense. If that scenario does happen, uh, one of the playoff games, I think it's like one of like the divisional rounds will be on Sunday, February 14th. So Valentine's Day will be a little different this year for some guys and gals. For me, that's the perfect Valentine's Day. So oh, yeah. anyone out there that wants to make plans ahead of time, I know we're really <laughs> I'm available. I'm available. <laughs> Listen, um, it's just great that the NFL has this has this time to yeah. really sit down and be like, okay, if if Plan A doesn't work out, here's Plan B, and if Plan yeah. B doesn't work out, here's Plan C. And so they're preparing. And honestly, after what I saw from them out of the NFL draft and keeping it in place and getting they have down, their shit together. They have their shit together, and I really feel as though they're gonna they're gonna make this happen. They're gonna make it work, and they're gonna make the adjustments they have to make. It uh, totally makes sense to me that they're going to push the schedule release. There doesn't need to be like a like a head start on that yeah. by any means. You know, figure it out as time goes on. That that's not that big of a deal. So I yeah. think that'll be fine. All right, and then our final story, which is kind of you know late late not breaking news, but very recent news. Um, so <laughs> this is Kansas City. They love their off field issues. Jesus Christmas. Yeah. I made that joke in the draft because they drafted someone with off-field issues. Yes. <laughs> they love their off-field issues. Kansas City cornerback Bashad Breland was arrested in South Carolina on Tuesdays with multiple charges, including having, having alcohol with a broken seal. This is so stupid to get arrested for. Driving without a license, yeah. possession of marijuana, and resisting arrest. No comment from Kansas City yet because what comment are they going to make? Because every guy on their team is pretty much an off off-field <laughs> disadvantage for them. Uh, yet last season uh, with Kansas City, Breland recorded 48 tackles, two interceptions, and two fumbled recoveries, which is good stats. So why are you doing stupid yeah, things yeah. off-field? Yeah. An well, off-field like, alcohol container? That is like the dumbest thing you get arrested for. It's it's kind of funny because like I've been, I've been walking, like any day that it's nice out, I've been walking around my neighborhood and um, like you don't obviously see as many cars because we're social distancing, people yeah. are staying at home, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I've kind of been laughing because every once in a while I'll be walking like, and I will see a car, you know, probably going 45, 50 on a 25 mile per hour road. And I laugh because I'm like, you're like an open target for cops right yeah. now. Like, people really aren't driving, like whatever. So you're driving without a license during a pandemic where, and probably at whatever hour in the morning when people really aren't out on the roads, like yeah. you're just like an open target. Like it's just dumb. Like what yeah. are you thinking? What are you doing? And who are you, who are you surrounding yourself with in your life that like anybody would have been like, oh dude, it's fine. Like you can drive. Like I'm not going to drive. Like surround yourself with good people that aren't going to yeah. like let you make stupid decisions like that. 
And it's not even like you can say like, oh, like I chose to drove because my friend was drunk. Like maybe someone would give you that advantage, but you also had alcohol, marijuana, and you also resisted arrest. So yeah, you're just a- you're just asking for it at that point. And then um, right before, like an hour before our show, um, we did get other kind of de- definitely breaking news, like an hour before our show. The former Jacksonville uh, Jaguars linebacker, Telvin Smith, he was arrested on charger, uh, charges of unlawful uh, sexual activities with minors. So that uh, just is disgusting. And I don't know what's happening with Ugh. that. And for those listening on the podcast, I just made the most disgusting face. Like, Yeah, ever. it was funny because I forget who it was, like a commentator or a player. Like, I think it was a commentator, like tweeted it. And just like the only thing that they wrote was gulp, like Ew, that's gross. That's disgusting. Like, and it was minors, not minor. It was plural. So, okay, cool, cool. That that broke that broke before the show. So we don't nasty. All right, let's get into our big stories of the week in the world of housewives. Um, these are yeah, these are both COVID nineteen related. Um, so basically, the fact that you know the coronavirus uh, is this pandemic is happening. We were obviously getting a lot of changes to the production schedule for the Real Houses of Football, not just them, obviously the NFL and and everything that's on TV. Um, But because of COVID-19, the premieres, like we said, for Real Houses of Potomac season five and the series premiere for Salt Lake City have been pushed in the summer. Uh, Potomac was set to premiere on May 3rd. So that was literally right around the corner. Like I remember like being on the show and being like, okay, in a month or in two weeks, like we're getting a new season of Potomac. Uh, we didn't have the premiere date yet for Salt Lake City. Like, obviously, we have Potomac because, like I said, it yeah. was right around the corner. Um, but both are are being known now that they're being pushed back. Um, Andy believed that it was smart to push them, especially since we already have two new seasons that just started and are currently airing with the Real Housewives of New York mm-hmm. and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I think that's a great point. Like, I feel like it's like there's no need to rush the other two franchises when you, you have two of your most popular yeah. franchises, like literally just started their seasons. Plus we have Atlanta, like doing the first ever, we're going to talk about that in five seconds, doing the first ever uh, virtual housewife reunion so it's like we got a lot going on like i understand like i i as bummed as i am like that they're being pushed back i felt like it's it makes sense to me um so this past week uh andy actually he hosted that virtual reunion for season 12 the longest season in franchise in housewives history uh for real housewives of atlanta tell me about it (laughs) he did admit to us that he was hosting with a suit jacket on but no pants so he it was funny i think he posted the instagram like had a suit jacket on but like a pair of boxers yeah um and he was definitely nervous and i i understand that he compared it to having the super bowl done on a zoom meeting so they said they said it was 12 hours long like yeah like and and they did a lot of they did a lot of rehearsals for it they definitely like prepped big time i do have a quote from andy he um and 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 yeah i do remember like he sat down with the women and they did a lot of run-throughs just to make sure everything technical like was place and everything was going to work 
But he did say the Atlanta Housewives, man, they're trailblazers. They worked yeah. so hard to make that reunion happen. We had, here we go, we had days of technical rehearsals and stuff just to make sure it would look good. And I think it did. Believe it or not, content-wise, there's so much stuff there. And tipping my hat to the Atlanta Housewives today. And honestly, like, yeah. not just them, but everybody who has also been making Watch What Happens live from home uh, continue and and continue to have success and people being willing to jump on um, video chat with Andy and still still film these episodes. I yeah. think that's great. It's like everybody's just understanding of like, just like you and I, like the show must go on. Like yeah. let's, let's just like, okay, we'll let's go to B and let's figure it out. And maybe in the beginning, there's going to be some rough patches, but like, let's get it done. Let's, let's do what we can. I think what's interesting though, and, and I think Atlanta is a great guinea pig for this. Yeah. Um, and if anything like this has to happen in the future, like Atlanta, I've said this to you in the past. I love their franchise, like pretty much because of their reunions. They, yeah. um, they do yell at each other, of course, like every other franchise, uh, but they kind of like settle things very quickly. So it's yeah. not like New York and New Jersey where they're just screaming at each other and it's that point where you just can't take it anymore because it's so uncomfortable and you don't even know what the topic is because everyone's just yelling at each other Atlanta like they'll get in your face like they might like almost have a fist fight but it takes about four seconds so on a zoom call I cringe when I'm at work and three people are like oh I'll join I'll say like all it's my turn and everyone's kind of like talking over each other like we're pretty good at it because it's just like we're having a normal conversation yeah. with each other. Like we've been doing this for the, you know, yeah. 28 years that we've known each other, like just talking over each other. But like when it's forced, so like I'm interested in seeing that, but I think they're a good guinea pig because they're pretty good with like resolving their issues and Andy yeah. could control them pretty well. But like, I don't see this like a Zoom going for like, New Jersey. It just would be like, I mean, like, think about mute them all. <laughs> think about the New Jersey reunion. Nobody could say anything without Jennifer interrupting. So, like, Andy would probably, have to mute them all. We probably could have used a New Jersey reunion done on Zoom so that people took their turns. And like, you can't, you can't, just can't do that. You can't have a yeah. franchise that's going to talk over each other. And most of them do. But it also is funny when you were talking about it. Kaya reminds me of like, I love the way guys fight versus like girls because guys can like punch each other in the face and then like be best friends the next day. Whereas <laughs> girls are just like. They let it go on and on and on. And like, that reminds me of the way you were describing Atlanta. It's like, just punch me in the face and then we'll be best friends tomorrow. And they do. And they definitely have done that. But I mean, yeah. the good thing about Zoom is that you can't physically assault <laughs> someone. So uh. <laughs> that's another reason why I was thinking that Atlanta was a good guinea pig for this. Because I'm like, they get, sometimes they get a little physical. They like, do. They, they, they do. do that, they can't do that. So. Yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. um, so our second story of the week for Housewives. So Andy Cohen calls for changes about donating plasma during the pandemic. So I really, this topic is very interesting for me. I know, I know. So on Thursday of Watch What Happens Live at home, Andy used his moment of mazel to express his frustration over being denied the opportunity to donate uh, plasma after he recovered from COVID-19. Um, so just so you guys are aware, so a lot of people that have recovered from COVID-19, um, they are asking to donate their plasma to help put inside of current patients yeah. um, to see if it can like combat, you know, do the, everything like that. And if you guys aren't aware of what 
donating plasma is. Um, so there's a couple of requirements actually, even beside the one that we're going to talk about in this story, you have yeah. to be like a certain weight. You have to be a certain thing. Like even like platelets they're asking for, like there's okay. a couple of requirements that go to it. Um, and it's very similar to being hooked up if you're a bone marrow donor and I am a bone yeah. marrow donor. Yeah. So I'm aware of this uh, process. So you're basically hooked up to a machine and what they do is they pull the blood out of you through this side in this little machine, they take the plasma out. If you're a bone marrow donor, they take the marrow out. And yeah. then the blood comes back into your body on this side. Okay. Um, so donating plasma is a very long process. It takes about like a, a couple hours. So you're just like sitting there and whatnot. And, and Sean Payton just recently did yes. it too. Uh, so did uh, Tom Hanks and his wife. I believe okay. they both did. Um, so yeah, so it's a very long, extensive process, but it is supposed to help with this very much so with bone marrow and cancer and things like that. Yeah. So, um, so here's a quote from Andy Cohen. Um, after recovering from coronavirus, I wanted to see if there was something I could do to help people who were infected. I signed up for a program for COVID-19 survivors where you could donate plasma, which is rich in antibodies, to those still battling the virus. I was told due to antiquated and dis discriminatory guidelines by the FDA to prevent HIV. I'm ineligible to donate blood because I'm a gay man. Here's the thing. The, oh, sorry. Um, so yeah, so here's another quote from him. Um, here's the thing. This virus is ravaging our planet. The FDA says there's still an urgent need for plasma from survivors. All donated blood is screened for HIV and rapid uh, HIV tests can be done in 20 minutes or less. So why the three-month rule? Why are members of my community being excluded from helping out when so many people are sick and dying? Maybe because we're valuing the stigma over science. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I 100% and, and, yes. and he's speaking when he says about uh, yeah. the, the three-month rule. So the FDA apparently changed it like like a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, uh, where we, we have it. Um, so yeah, deferred yeah, male FDA, donors who have had sex with another man in the last three months instead of yes. the last 12. So the last 12 right. months is right. the original thing. They did, did So the FDA it. thinks like, okay, well, we did like fix it and we did update yeah. it. Like, and now it's just like a three-month rule. And Andy's arguing like there shouldn't be any kind of rule. Like yeah. I'll take an HIV test, clear mm -hmm. me. And if I'm cleared, like I'd love to donate and help people. Yeah. Like people need this. Yeah. Listen, like I like 100% agree at this time, like people, people are dying. Um, yeah. So, and if you have those processes in place where your blood can be tested for HIV, you can be tested for HIV yeah. and you're confident in those HIV tests as you should be, because obviously that's been around for a very long time. Right. We should be confident in our HIV test yeah. in 2020. Right. Um, I think that they should move along with it. I did know that maybe the plasma is a little different, but I did know, um, and maybe it's the same thing um, because I did know, I did hear on the radio that they were um, making adjustments and changes because they didn't want to like discriminate against like the gay or the LGBTQ community. Listen, I hope so. Heaven forbid yeah. one of our family, one of our friends, and we were personally affected by this. And yeah. We knew somebody that could really benefit from somebody donating plus. Yeah. And if they're turning however many gay men away that could yeah. be helping saving lives, I'm going to be pissed off. I mean, yeah. I'm, even without knowing anybody personally, thank God, my family or friends, everybody's safe, but right. even without, people are dying, just like you said. And if, if Andy and if however many gay men who are willing, you know, who have been affected by this yeah. help, like, that's absolutely ridiculous to me. Like we're in a 
dire situation here. And anybody that can help and anybody that's, we can easily see if they're safe and okay to help. Yeah. This is, this is terrible. So, so Do I it. really, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with the fact that this is Andy and Andy has such a huge platform and I'm hoping because of the fact that he's speaking out about this, I hope it does change. I hope that yeah. like, this becomes a quickly like known thing that people are like, no, no, no. Like we need to, we need to go forward with this and, and let, and fix it and let people donate and help. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Oh my goodness. Crazy. Oh my God. All right. Time in our night to get it off our chest. Positive, negative, housewives, football, coronavirus, quarantine, social distancing. Caitlin is going to start us off and tell us about her quarantine diary. How are you doing this week? What, what do we got in the quarantine diaries of Caitlin? I think I have to sneeze. That's why my face is a little scrunched right now. <laughs> you did? <laughs> I didn't catch it. No, I said I think I have to. Oh, oh, I thought you said I think I just did. I was like, I didn't see one. No. Oh, it's all tingly. Whatever. If I sneeze throughout it, it's fine. It was coming. I felt it. I was getting ready for it. And now I don't. I hate that feeling. I know. That's why I get it off my chest. Hate that (laughs) non-sneeze feeling of, no. So yeah. So my quarantine diaries. Um, so week, whatever this is going. Okay. Um, definitely not one of my better weeks. I will fully admit that. Um, work has been definitely bananas because we are, you know, um, moving into a new month. The end of the month is always crazy. Oh, okay, okay. We're analyzing the previous quarter. So we're previous, we're analyzing Q1. Um, a lot of this, you know, stuff happened in Q1. So with me, yeah. I'm working marketing. So we're totally analyzing what's going on there. Um, so work has been a little bit bananas. The good thing about work is I'm taking on a couple of new projects that I'm very excited about. Um, okay. I work in social media. That is my, my avenue. Um, but I've been doing a lot of content marketing recently too. Um, whether it's just like writing stuff, but also copy editing. Oh, I love editing. Me too. Oh God. It's like, I don't even know what the right word is, but it's like, for me, it's like, yeah, it's like, oh God, I love editing. And and I went to, and I went to school for journalism and it's so funny. Like when I got into the, into the workforce and the work, work world, it was like weird that all of a sudden, like, I was just like, I love editing more than I love writing. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Same thing. Like, and like, obviously like we're both writers, like love to write. Like it's definitely like one of my outlets. It's great social media. Everything I'm doing is writing, but editing. Yeah. I love telling people like (laughs) what is wrong with their work. It's not what's wrong. It's just what it needs to be fixed. And, um, but it's good. It's really, so it's, it's cool. I'm taking out a lot of new projects because you know, a lot of things shifting right now. It's being in marketing in a time like this is very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think my company is doing a phenomenal job with what we're doing. So I'm very proud yeah. about that. But there's a lot of new opportunities and I'm advancing on them. And I'm very excited about that. So from that aspect, the week has been, the week has been good. Other things though, it's just, it's, it's really hard to, to be alone. I'll definitely tell yeah. you about that for sure. Um, but I do appreciate obviously the podcast You know, my family gets together every Sunday yeah. for zoom and they've been quite comical. Um, love having my nieces and nephews. Wait, can I like get in on that zoom call? Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see the Brower family. Yeah. We have a great time every Sunday at like six, six thirty. I'm in. Count me in. Yeah, we can get you in. Um, I'll get you, I'll get you on the list. Um, <laughs> 
No, they're good. And like my friends and I, we've been doing, we've had a lot of birthdays, actually, a lot of like my yeah. uh, school friends. So uh, we've been doing a lot of like happy hours, but even like a couple weekends too, we'll get together. So like that's definitely been helping too. I've also been, I think I brought this up last week too. Like I've been trying to do like a project, like every every night if I can. So like I cleaned out a couple closets. Um, I got a new Keurig, hooked that up, hooked up nice. my Amazon Alexa. I hope she doesn't hear that. <laughs> he did not hear that. Oh, okay. Good. Good. I've used it like twice. I don't know what the hell I just hooked it up. I was like, I've had this for like three years. Katie. I have one, but it's such a love hate relationship. Hook it up. I've been using her for a timer, which has been pretty, pretty yes, helpful. That's what my mom uses. Like when yeah. she's. Yeah. So that's been good. Um, the other thing too, that I definitely have liked. So I found a Buzzfeed article and I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not. Uh, maybe I think I might've found it last week. So I could have mentioned it. It was 44 recipes where um, it's like around the world recipes. So Ooh, you can't cool. travel right now. So cook around the world. That's so cool. I have dedicated myself to cook as many. Some of them are seafood. I don't eat yeah. seafood. I will. I think there's about 40 out of the 44 that I can make. Nice. So I've done three this week. Um, so one was, it was a spring roll, but I actually, I couldn't find the stuff to wrap it. So it was basically like an unwrapped spring roll. Really okay. good. Made it on they call, On Food Network, they call that a deconstructed spring Deconstructed roll. spring roll. <laughs> it was really good. Last night I made this like Tuscan soup. I posted all over my yeah, like, yeah, I saw social that, yeah. media. It was delicious. Um, I have a lot of leftovers. I froze it with a little bit of toast. Ooh, so good. Um, and then tonight I made uh, grilled Jamaican jerk chicken. Nice. It good. It nice. was really good. I have one of those, like, so obviously I live in like a condo, so I don't have an actual grill, gas grill. I have like the stovetop grill. It's actually, it's a skillet and a grill on it. So nice. that's how I grill things indoors. It gets a little smoky in the house, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it's good. Um, and then, yeah, that was that. And I, I just put some, like, I had like a corn mixture that I put on the side of it, but it was really good. So I'm very happy. So those are my recipes for the week. So I just did three for this week just to start off to see if I could do it. <laughs> I would like for you to send me that article. Oh, I can. Yeah. And um, tonight, I actually didn't have time for dinner before the show, but tonight's dinner, uh, my husband's the chef in the family. He's making, it reminds me, he's making a banh mi sandwich with a, which oh, is, yes. a Vietnamese uh, sandwich. Yeah. So that's what we're having. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was on the list, but mm. I definitely, definitely send that to me because we're, we've been trying out new things too. So yeah. So I literally love the fact that I have the time to sit down and really cook like extensive yeah. recipes. Um, and it's not like I'm breaking the bank with buying ingredients and stuff. Like a lot of them have been pretty simple um, ingredient wise, but like taking a decent amount of time. So I'm very happy about that. And then finally, I do have a show recommendation for you. Guys. I want to hear it. Oh, I just found it last night. And I'm so happy. It is called Never Have I Ever on Netflix. I was going to ask you if it was that because I'm like kind of intrigued. It's, it's by Cindy. so good. It's by Kaling. And that kind of like. So good. It's good. It's so good. It's that high school, like, kind of like, um, okay. to all the boys I loved before kind cool. of drama. Okay. It is so good. I'm surprised it's not a movie actually, but I'm actually yeah. happy that it is a, a, a series. Um, okay. so it's just one season right now. I think I watched yeah. three or four episodes last oh, night. Yeah, they're, they're, they're about 30 minutes long. Okay. I'm loving it. So, Ooh, oh my God. Okay. I was like, yeah. I, I saw that the other day and I like, 
I asked Frank, I was like, do we want to watch yeah. this? Like, I, I was, was like three minutes into the preview and I was like, hell to the yeah. Not three okay, minutes, okay. sorry, like I'm 30 really seconds. Hear that. I, I'm definitely so going good. to start that for so sure. So that's my TV recommendation for you guys. Definitely, it's called Never Have I Ever on Netflix. It yeah. is a Netflix original. It is so good if you yeah. like that whole like teeny bopper, like high school, like kind of, I, I love it. But it's, it's like, so it's not like dorky. It's like a rom-com. No, yeah, it's not it's, dorky. It's Mindy Kaling. And Listen, it's, it's not Tiger King, but it's... Uh, no, okay. I'm so happy you watched it because I was like on the fence. You would like it. Watch it. Okay. You should watch it. You would All right, like cool. it. Um, piggybacking off of that, my get off my chest. Um, as always, I like to give my recommendations as well. I haven't watched too many new things, but I did post to my Instagram. I asked all of my um, followers what was their favorite quarantine movie, new or old, that they've watched. Um, just wanted recommendations. And I found the most the one with the like the most response of like somebody said it and I posted what they said and then everyone was like yeah yeah watch it watch it was um Oscar nominated movie Jojo Rabbit um it's with Scarlett Johansson I think originally I didn't watch it because it was an Oscar nominated film so when it first came on to on demand it was probably like you know $16 to rent it yeah it is still on demand it's it's you still have to buy it but it's at like $3.99 now mm -hmm. um and I, I got standard. a huge response from people about it and and the one person who had suggested it to me said I know it's $3.99 worth every cent but also said uh this was maybe one of the best movies I've ever seen. So oh, wow. that was like a huge, like, okay, I've got to check this movie yeah. out. I haven't watched it yet. Um, probably this weekend I'd like to check it out and then I could let you guys know. Um, and then I'm just pulling up one thing for get it off my chest from our buddies at Talking Giants posted something post draft that I was like, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, the New York Giants, um, if you're not a Giants fan, or even if you are, you might not have followed what we did post-draft as far as signing undrafted free agents. We did take two wide receivers um, out of Ohio State, to which Talking Giants posted, I think on, on Twitter as well as Instagram, they said, wow, Ohio State wide receivers Benjamin Victor and Austin Mack chose to sign with the New York Giants. Keep in mind, as an undrafted free agent, sometimes if you're going to go like in the seventh round, sometimes it's better to be undrafted yeah. because you pick your situation. Like mm -hmm. you pick up which team like that's interested in you and then you pick where you want to go. So these two gentlemen, uh, teammates at Ohio State, decided to say that, yeah, we're wide receivers. We went to Ohio State. We want to play for the New York Giants. So Talking Giants continue to say proving that any wide receiver would rather catch passes from Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins even when Haskins is your former quarterback. Wow. Wow. Shot fired. Um, so, yeah, like if, if people don't remember Dwayne Haskins, who's a quarterback for the Washington Redskins, um, who was drafted last year after Daniel Jones. And, you know, a lot of people thought maybe that the Giants would draft Haskins. I think Haskins believed that maybe the Giants were going to draft him. And when the Giants made their selection of Daniel Jones, um, we did catch Dwayne Haskins over video chat because he decided not to go to the, to the draft, but he was at home with family and friends, laughed 
openly visibly laughed when the Giants selected Daniel Jones over him. Life comes at you fast, buddy. And I tweeted that the other day with that gif, and I got bazillions of engagements. So he so. was playing, two years ago, he was playing for Ohio State, and he was playing with these guys. These yeah. guys were his teammates. And they're openly choosing to go play for the New York Giants and play with Daniel Jones rather than playing with what you would think is their friend and former quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. So the NFL's a business, business decisions. <laughs> no, and see, here's the thing. I would understand if it was a business division. Like, okay, if I was a wide receiver and I was an undrafted free agent, I want to go to a team that maybe necessarily – okay, maybe I'm not going to go to the best team in the NFL. Maybe I'd rather go to a team that I can make the roster, right? Because they don't have a lot of wide receivers. But it's not like the Washington Redskins or the New England Patriots or the Giants. Right. Giants. It's like same ball field, you know what I mean? Yeah. So for these two guys to pick Giants, so it's like the scale is like here and here. And for them to pick the Giants, it's like you're essentially picking Daniel Jones and the Giants over Dwayne Haskins. Right? Absolutely. So it kind of reminded me of the movie Draft Day. Have you seen the movie Draft Day? Um, and that's a great movie for anyone who hasn't seen. And it's about like, it's fictional, but they do use actual teams. And Kevin Costner is like front office for the Cleveland Browns. And they have one of uh, the first pick, I believe, right? I think the first pick in the draft. And there's this quarterback on the board who's supposed to be like a surefire bet. He's a stud. He's the number one prospect. He's the best quarterback. He'll change your franchise. And yet Kevin Costner and the Cleveland Browns aren't sold on him because they do more research. And they're like, Why, what are the negatives about this kid? We want to yeah. know the negatives. And they do their research and they find out that while he was in college, this quarterback, and this is a fictional story, had celebrated his birthday like at a bar and none of his teammates came to celebrate with him. Like he went out with his friends, but none of them were his teammates from his football team. So the Cleveland, Kevin Costner and the Cleveland Browns are like, this is a kid who is supposed to be a leader of a football team. He plays quarterback. You have to like want to like stand behind your quarterback and take direction and take lead from him and like want to play for him and want to do well and have a connection. And this kid couldn't even get his teammates to show up for his birthday party. Yeah. So to me, like, that's like a direct parallel to what just happened with these two kids deciding, mm. we don't want to sign with our former yeah. teammate, Dwayne Haskins. Like, I already had massive question marks about Dwayne Haskins, right? And to me, this is like a draft day, like, boom, <laughs> like, wow, like, just opened up a whole nother thing of, like, yeah. these guys should be your buddies and, like, let's go play with Dwayne in Washington. And instead, they're no. going to New York <laughs> So I, yeah. I, to me, that like just opens up my eyes and is a continuing, continuing fact to show that I'm happy the Giants select, uh, selected Daniel Jones. And that's I great. agree. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us week after week in quarantine. We hope that we're getting you by quarantine you can catch a new episode of the real football fans of new jersey every wednesday night hopefully if i my technology works and i can <laughs> upload it uh, but every wednesday night but don't miss also for your housewives and your football fetishes real housewives of beverly hills was on tonight at eight o'clock we obviously went way over because it's 8 50 p.m right or no it's actually a little later nine oh it's nine. Oh my god my clock on my oven i'm looking over there is so <laughs> off Fix it. 
that um real houses in new york is on tomorrow at nine you know katie and i will be jumping in on that for sure great so far really liked it very happy um and no like set things for the nfl but just honestly keep looking out for announcements things are happening rapidly even check on your teams that are who are they're signing you know post draft um draft analyses things like that um but yeah thank you guys for joining us uh follow us on facebook at rffn R-F-F-N-J on yeah. Instagram at the real full of fans of NJ and also listen, subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, do us, do anything, honestly, reach out to us on social media. We're here for you. We're here for you yeah. every week. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Cheers. 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 Bye. I took a sip. That's why there was a long pause, but thank you and a good night. Wait, good night.